0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gray NATO, a loose discussion of travel, diving, driving, gear, and most certainly watches. This is episode 190, and it's proudly brought to you by the recently formed TGN supporter crew. We thank you all so much for your continued support. And if uh, you don't happen to be part of that supporter crew, but you'd like to be, uh, please visit thegraynado.com for more details. James, gosh, it's been a while. It's been uh, Man, I missed you. A couple of weeks, <laughs> yeah, I know. I I caught. Uh, Cole's episode, which was fun, but I, I felt a little, I got a little misty listening, you know, thinking, uh, thinking back to our, <laughs> our chats. Uh,
1: yeah, it was, it was uh, great of Cole to cut to help cover for that, for that episode. It's always nice to sit and chit chat with Cole, but I'm, yeah, I'm missing my, my weekly dose at Jason. I'm, I'm, uh, as, as I know that you're, you're having, um, uh, you know, uh, a good visit in,
0: in Sri Lanka, but I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back on the normal schedule at some point soon. Yeah. The schedule's a bit, challenging right i mean it's uh, gosh what time is it 8:30 p.m. here and you're here yeah, at like 11. 11 a.m. so we you know we've got that challenge and then what was it uh, a couple of weeks ago we ran that that film club episode which i think was another another good one so that was that was fun yeah. to listen to from here given given that we recorded it back in way back in march
1: yeah for sure and i think that one came together uh, really nicely and i did want to make a quick note right here at the top of the show a big thank you to Kyle Martin who noticed that I forgot slash neglected to put the entire listing of the film club in the show notes. It would have made the show notes really long. And Kyle went ahead and made a letterbox portfolio for the TGN film club. Wow. The link is in the, the link is now in the, um in the, the notes it's in the final paragraph of the notes for episode 188. And it's, you yeah. can now see like a whole collection and, it's visual and huh. i'm i'm thrilled this is great. Oh, that's awesome. Uh so a, a huge thank you to Kyle for making that. It really simplifies, you know, now when we do eight uh I'll just be able to use this link again and and people can see all the all the videos that have been picked. So that was uh, that was super rad.
0: Oh, that's great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I I also want to um mention a quick note here. Um you know, given that I've been away from the US for now pushing over 3 weeks, uh close to a month by the time this episode goes live. Any TGN supporter kit orders that have come in, and I've seen several, um, and thank you for those, uh, over the past few weeks, uh, those, those supporter kits, uh, that come as a part of uh, new membership to the TGN crew have not been shipped. I will be doing that as soon as I'm back in the U S uh, in the first week of May. So I want to thank everybody for their support, first of all, and, and for your patience. I had put a note on the, on the order page, on the website that, uh, That things won't be shipped until May, but I do appreciate uh, we we both appreciate the support and uh, and the patience while you wait for your 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 strap and sticker. So, anything else uh, we should chat about before we dive in here, Raldorf? What's what's happening there? I've been following that from a distance, and boy, what a what a story! I mean, it sounds ups and downs there. What's the latest?
1: Yeah, so the latest uh, is is I, I'm still recommending people follow as closely as possible to Roldorf's Instagram because that that's how you'll get the latest. Uh, you know, breaking news is not really well served uh, when this episode won't go up for six days. But yeah, the 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 emails that we talked about on the last episode and 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 that I put all over my Instagram, they were able to uh, effectively delay the demolition for the better part of 24, almost 36 hours, and in that time, more discussions were had about what valuables were still left in the, in, in that area, both um, business valuables and personal valuables by, for some of the people that were uh, living in, in the, the old hotel building. Since then, uh, they've started demolishing the building, which is the decision the city made. Is it wasn't safe due to structural and asbestos and, and other things like that. You know, this is a huge blow to those businesses, to the people who lived in those areas. You know, it, 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 there's a lot of people impacted here um, and uh, and as far as the, the Roldorf scope goes, it looks like they were able to salvage something as, as the building came down, uh, as to what. I mean, this was just um, yesterday afternoon. I, I don't have a full kind of scope on what that is. So yeah, my, my suggestion is that um, keep your eyes on the Roldorf Instagram if you want updates on this and when the story is kind of somewhat more complete and hopefully we can start focusing on next steps and, and how we can support you know, not only my very good friends at, at Roldorf and co, but also the, just the people, the other people affected by this, uh, fire, uh, we'll have more news in the future, but between my Instagram and, and Roldorf's that's probably a good place to, um, to keep your eyes up for the latest in news, because again, there is a delay when it comes to things in the podcast. And, uh, as I said in the last one, you know, our, our, my heart goes out to everyone involved. Um, yeah, we'll update you as we can. And, and like I said, in the last episode, i I'm, more than happy to have uh, Jason on to speak about the experience and, and what the plans are moving forward, but it's probably a little early, um, to, to do that at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose for, for, for people who are you know listening in from far corners of the, of the world here, Australia and Europe and wherever else, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the significance of, of Ralldorf, I think to TGN. And the reason we, we talk about this is that, you know, Jason was a TGM, TGN guest. He's a, he's a friend of both of ours. And, and, you know, Roldorf is, is, is pure, you know, it's, it's core TGN stuff. I mean, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's a friend, he's a watchmaker, he's a diver. He's, he's, he's just a good all around guy. And then they carry a lot of the brands we talk about and and he hails from or Roldorf hails from your former hometown. And I, I just think it's uh mm-hmm you know, that's what you do. You step up for, for, uh, for your friends and, and, and chums. And that's what we're trying to do here. So yeah, we'll, st- we'll stay in touch and, and keep, uh, keep an eye on how that's going.
1: For sure. So, uh, I guess, you know, aside from that, I don't know that we have a lot of other chit chat just cause we haven't been, you know, uh, most of this episode is going to be, you know, kind <laughs> of a download about, <laughs> yeah. about your Sri Lanka experience. But, uh, but why don't we do a little bit of watch stuff first? What's your, uh, w- what's on risk today?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is kind of an interesting tie in to kind of where I am. I mean, you know, having spent pushing a month here in, in Sri Lanka, I think I mentioned last time that I had brought a few watches here. Um, today I'm wearing the CWC again. This is the Royal Navy auto diver. And, you know, it's, it's been interesting to see how, what's important here, you know, what, what, how the days play out, what I put on my wrist. And, and to be honest, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're traveling, watches kind of fade from importance and, and what you choose for the trip in general seems important before you go. And it is because then once you're on the trip, you're like, you look at your wrist and you're like, boy, I'm glad I chose this one because it's all I've got. And even though I, I brought three watches along, I've really just been wearing the CWC and I swapped it for the Tornick Rayville for, for about a week in there. Um, nice. But you know, some watches just kind of fit a venue well and I think uh, yeah. you know kind of a no nonsense you know navy dive watch that not many people recognize on a nato straps just sort of perfect for swimming in the pool and running around the paddy fields and going for rabies shots and you know riding around in a in a tuk tuk around the streets here and stuff it's just it felt like the the right pick and and so it's served me really well here
1: I mean those are great watches I I had on the quartz one you sent me Yeah uh, uh, just recently. And I'm going to get a whole lot of use out of that this summer. Uh, you know, a great watch for renos at the cottage and dock jumps and the rest of it. Um, as far as me for today, I'm, I'm back on the Seiko Monster. You know, I'm back on it. Uh, I, I forgot it was you just had kind that of, already. Uh, Gosh.
0: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, it was in the watch box and I was moving some stuff around. Uh, on the last episode, I talked about the 39 millimeter Aqua Star, which I, I I like quite a bit, um, but I have it on a bracelet right now that I haven't sized, and that's for photos and that kind of thing. So um, I'm still working through my review for that one. So I just threw the monster on. You know, it's a nice sunny day here in Toronto today, and uh, I, I was wearing a, a ridiculous Patagonia fleece, and it kind of suits that <laughs> uh, that kind of vibe. So ho- hoping to make it to the cottage this weekend. Oh, nice. Um, and I, I think that's what'll come with me. The loom is just so so handy to have in a space where you know. You know uh, it, the lighting is a little bit, uh, last, uh, uh, last century.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, isn't that true. I mean, it's one of those uh, equally here. I think, you know, we've had power cuts and with jet lag and things, you know, I'm spending mm-hmm. a lot of time trying to figure out what time it is in the dark and, and good loom is, turns out to be quite important. And, and this, the CWC is, it, it's a new old stock piece from 2004 with, with a tritium dial. So it's, it fades a bit, but I can still read it at, you know, three, four in the morning if I need to. And of course, the Tornick Rayville glows really well, so that's been oh yeah, that's been good. But uh, so you're you're just biding your time until you get that white dial uh, carbon Doxa, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That carbon Doxa is not definitely not leaving leaving my mind. You know, between the the Loom dial uh, version or the Shark Hunter, I, I really I really am a fan of both of those. And I, I think I'll probably get a chance to see the whole range again. I'm, I'm actually going to New York, but I, well, by the time this episode comes out, I'll be very nearly getting on a flight to come home from New York, but I'm going to New York for a few days for a a product launch uh, next week uh, that I can't quite talk about. I I actually don't have all the... I I could talk about it because it'll be launched by the time this comes out, but I have almost no details. They're being quite secretive, but it is an exciting dive watch sort of product, uh, which should be cool. All of you will know about it by the time this episode comes up. I I, I have to say, you know, I'm obviously fortunate enough these days, regardless just to be spoiled with choice I'm surrounded by aquastars and Seikos and, yeah yeah uh, cwcs and and all sorts of stuff so I'm certainly not hard up for uh for options yeah uh and and it might even be a good time to start consolidating you know moving moving a few units um and uh and stuff I haven't worn you know in the last year and and see see about uh uh getting down to a more comfortable number as you know it's that run, running math we all have that half the time you ignore the stuff that isn't really on your table or, or, or your watch box or whatever, but you do have to consider it sometimes. So I guess we'll see.
0: It's funny too. You know, you mentioned the cottage and I think, you know, having come through a long winter, you know, despite spending a month here, winter seems to be that season when, at least for those of us that experience proper winter, um, I don't know, it feels like you're sort of, you're sort of shuffling through your collection you're getting a little restless. You're trying one on one day, one on the next day. But then when summer comes, it feels like that's when like almost like every summer has a defining watch. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was two summers ago, you were spending a lot of time at the cottage and you were wearing your SPB Seiko. That was like the summer watch the of that year, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. And I think last year probably the Synchron military. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Isn't it funny how that, which I, I wore a that, for, for some reason, summer brings that out. I think you just do more in the summer and you kind of, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a watch of that year you know in my mind.
1: Well I mean like my lifestyle outside of the like my lifestyle throughout winter the the most like a genuine activity I get is shoveling snow which yeah. you can do in any watch or no watch you know it's not really required. Summer comes and you like bust out, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm moving around and and you're you're kind of jumping in and out of the car a lot you try and be like mobile more mobile than i might be you know in winter you got to find a jacket and um, yeah where do you leave your boots and are the are your socks dry and the rest of it. in, in <laughs> yeah. summer you're just kind of like in and out all the time yeah and um and i'll spend a minute filling a you know a kiddie pool for so you want something with some water resistance and something that can take a knock against the jeep if i'm working on it and the rest of it so yeah yeah it's a it, it is kind of a different a different scene but man am i excited for summer Yeah. Uh, Really, really excited for it. It's supposed to be a nice warm uh, weekend this weekend. So looking forward to all of that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully all of that kind of uh, uh, cooperates and we don't end up with a bunch of surprise rain, but uh, (laughs) that's okay too, I suppose. Yeah. Want to get into the the Sri Lanka download?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. This is a bit of a ramble episode, I suppose, just sort of a, a download of what's been going on here.
1: Yeah, I think, I think probably the right place to start would be, you know, maybe give people an idea of why you decide, like, I mean, obviously you go to Sri Lanka with some well, pre- previous to the pandemic with some frequency. Yeah. Um, but for folks who maybe don't know that context or, or maybe come to the show in the last couple of years, why, uh, why Sri Lanka? Why for so long? That sort of thing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I made my first trip to Sri Lanka back in the year 2000 and, you know, we used to come, almost annually. Uh, but since, you know, the pandemic, uh, it's been over three years since we've been here and Gashani's got family here. Her folks live here and extended family and friends. And so this was a bit of a long overdue visit to check in on people and just spend some time. And it made sense, you know, given the length of the journey to get here to, to really put in some extra time. And we thought to, to do a month here, uh, could also be a bit of a, a proof of concept, I guess, so to speak, to to see how we could do living here longer term. Because eventually, our plan might be to spend several months here, you know, possibly even half a year here, half a year in the U.S., um, kind of splitting time. So we wanted to see if we could make it work, work wise. You know, recording podcasts, writing, and for her, she's got a, a team, a work team back home that she has to, you know, do meetings with uh, daily, and so she's been working. Uh, nights to kind of hit the overlapping schedule because we're we 're twelve and a half hours off of Minneapolis time, so you know largely we 've made it work and and it 's been both the the best time to try this and the worst time because Sri Lanka is going through some serious challenges right now, so I guess we figured if we can make it work this month it 's uh, probably a sense that that we can. Uh, we could, we could do it in the best of times as well. So it's, so far it's been going, it's been going as, as best as we could expect.
1: What's your, what's your sort of like average day? Like, cause you, I know you're not keeping normal hours and certainly Kashani isn't like you'd said,
0: she's, she's kind of dealing with. Yeah. She's in the other room here doing, you know, zoom meetings all night long. She starts her work day, if you will, at about uh, 6 PM and works until 1230 or one o'clock because it's a 12 and a half hour time difference and, and she has mm-hmm. a lot of meetings with her team back home. And, you know, for me, I'm following a, a more regular schedule. And then when she gets up in the morning, we usually go and, and do something and we, we spend time you know, running errands and, and visiting friends and family and and just sort of doing our, our daily stuff. I, I try to get out and I try to exercise every morning before it gets too hot. Um, we might go for a walk together. I've been running and there's a pool here. So I've been swimming, uh, quite regularly. But, uh, you know, it, everything here just kind of takes a little bit longer. It's just harder to get about um, for one reason or another. So it feels like, you know, today, for instance, we went to visit some some friends that live on the other side of town. And so we had to flag down a one of these, uh, these tuk-tuks, these tri-shaw three-wheelers that kind of everybody uses to get around here. And, and with traffic and, and the fuel shortages and other things, it, it just took a while to get there. And then in the middle of that, there's, they're, they're, doing, they're doing these rolling power outages to accommodate the, the fuel shortages that are happening in this country. A lot of the, the electrical power comes from diesel and coal, both of which have been in short mm. supply here. So th- there's all these kind of challenges that you're, you're navigating day to day, which we don't have back home. It kind of has made us appreciate how, how easy life uh, is on a day to day basis back home. Absolutely
1: maybe for folks who haven't caught the news or or don't follow your instagram that closely what's the kind of the 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 you know elevator explanation of of the crisis going on in sri lanka i know it's a very complicated sort of long standing thing that's kind of hit a boiling point recently is that accurate
0: yeah i would say that's that's accurate the perfect storm of the pandemic and then they had um, some some pretty tragic uh, terrorist bombing episodes on easter of 2019 and i think the combination of those two things really put the the country in an economic tailspin that was exacerbated by some pretty pretty uh, egregious mismanagement of the economy by uh, a fairly corrupt uh, government that that's largely populated by a, an extended family and um uh, what that's led to is is a diminished um tourism industry here which is kind of a primary industry here and so that's meant a shortage of foreign exchange currency which they use to buy everything from you know diesel um from india to to power the electrical system here and uh you know foods and medicines and things like that so what's happened is that has really affected day-to-day life for the average sri lankan and so now we're seeing Uh, a month of protests. I mean, this all kind of kicked off right when we arrived on April 1st and it's progressively escalated to the point where, you know, there, there, there's some violence in the streets. There's some road closures, um, very long queues for, for people to get fuel at, at fuel stations. And then, as I mentioned, these, these regular, um, scheduled power cuts every day, which has been very disruptive, you know, And, and especially in a hot climate when you just want a spinning fan to kind of keep the air moving across you. It's, it's, it's pretty miserable to have three hours of kind of just sitting, twiddling your thumbs in the dark with no fan going, um, not mm-hmm. to mention trying to work. And, and this is for us. And, and I'm, I don't mean to complain horribly because Gashani and I have it pretty, pretty well here. We've been able to navigate it, but for the kind of the average person here, it's, uh, it, it's been a real, a real crisis. And I think that's, that's resulted in a lot of these massive protests that you're actually seeing here and, and places all over the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're, you're in uh, the city proper for the
1: most part where you have, you been able to kind of get around and and visit some of the countryside, et cetera.
0: We are staying in an apartment building. It's actually the same building that Gashani's parents live. And we rented a a unit just down the hall from them. So it's been uh, pretty convenient. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty nice. And I think for the, for the most part, we're able to kind of do our shopping within walking distance. Uh, as I mentioned, the the apartment building has a, a 25 meter outdoor lap pool, which I adore. I love swimming laps outside. It's just something so novel to me. You don't get to do that at home very much. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's these, these rice paddy fields that are just down the street that have a kind of a jogging path, a gravel path around them that I try to get around every day. So that's kind of the day to day routine. And then, uh, if you want to go further afield, you have to, you have to get one of these, uh, you can, you can get a taxi, which are kind of few and far between, or these very numerous, uh, little three wheel kind of motorized rickshaws. They call them trishaws or tuk-tuks here. And that's kind of the best way to get around here. But those guys are facing the, the fuel shortages to the point where, you know, they, they have to wait for hours to, to fill up and, mm-hmm. And then of course it doesn't last very long. And, and so they're, uh, it's just complicated their, their lives and in, in turn people that are trying to get places. So, you know, on the other hand, it's, it's still a, a, f- a fabulously beautiful country with incredibly friendly people. And we we've done a couple of excursions a little further afield. We, in our, I guess our first full weekend of being here, we went with Kashani's parents to um, there's a kind of a big lake just south of the capital city, Colombo. And, uh, in the middle of the lake, there's an Island with a house on it that was built in the 1960s by a Danish architect who was working here. And now it's kind of a private uh, rental facility. So we, we rented it for the weekend and, and there was a a small staff there that, that kind of cooks for you and, and looks after you. And we just had a really nice relaxing, uh, weekend there. And then, We just got back a couple of days ago from, uh, several days up in kind of the mountainous interior of the country, which was about a five to six hour drive from where we are. And we, um, stayed right in the middle of a, of a a big tea estate. It's all, it's where all the Ceylon tea is grown and it's just this Ah, incredibly picturesque, beautiful part of the country, just steep hillsides, lush greenery jungles, um, you know, tumbling rivers and waterfalls and things like that. So it's, it's it, my favorite part of the country. I think it's, you know, it's much cooler up there. It gets up to, you know, the, the, the towns up there, are, you know, five, 6,000 feet above sea level. So it's, uh, it's much cooler. And so it's a nice respite from kind of the tropics, you know, the, the, the humidity down here. And so we, we spent a couple of days up there and we did some, some hiking, uh, which was, was just really wonderful to do. You know, I, I don't usually think about hiking when we come here and we haven't done much of it in the past. And so we just really kind of went into it with a lot of gusto this time and and did a couple of full day, really long hikes up into the mountains, which was, which was great. Yeah. Any other plans
1: for any other excursions or, or little adventures before you have to pack your bags and come back?
0: Yeah. So we, we fly home a, a week where we're recording this on a Friday and and we're actually flying home a, a week from today. And so we've got this weekend uh, starting tomorrow and we're planning on driving down to the South coast. We haven't actually spent much time on the, on the seashore here. And, and so we're going down there to, to spend some time in the very Southern tip of the Island, um, for, for three nights and, uh, just kind of hoping to, get in the water and and maybe do some snorkeling and and just kind of take in some, some ocean time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that should be nice. And, and, you know, we, we, there's a kind of the culture here is, is, you know, a lot of people, especially tourists don't, you don't come here and rent a car like you might uh, in other parts of the world. People largely employ drivers um, who have their own vehicles. And so over the years we've actually typically gone with the same driver. Um, It's kind of this older, older gentleman who has one of these, these Toyota high ACE vans. Um, and he, he knows the the country like the back of his hand. So he takes us around. And, and so, you know, it's been complicated for him to kind of strategically figure out where and when to get his, his diesel to fill this thing up. And, and so he's, he's, he's game to do it. He's going to pick us up tomorrow morning at about nine o'clock and we're going to head down. It's a couple of hour drive and, uh, we're just going to stay in kind of a smaller hotel and, uh, and just you know take it as it comes just kind of relax and, and get in the water as much as we can and so looking forward to that i always kind of like to mix the the mountains on a trip here with with the seaside i think you know it's it's what the country has to offer you know i mean a lot of places are one or the other and i think uh, the thing i love about sri lanka is it's got it's got all of that so yeah for sure that's a uh, that's that's yeah it's it,
1: it sounds like a really interesting place to spend this much time uh, my apologies for any noise on my part. Uh, I've just extricated my rabbit uh, from the room where I record. Normally, he's a quiet animal, but I guess he's not enjoying this conversation, or he also <laughs> wishes he was in Sri Lanka. I'm not sure because he just trashed his cage in the background. <laughs> Jason, you know, I, I'm I'm curious because uh, I think you you and I have a love for the types of food that come from this part of the world, but you know, given some of these limitations and the overall issues with everything going on there, uh, still managing to eat pretty well. So getting your fill
0: of, uh, of all their, their local delicacies. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, is that the, the food that I love the most in Sri Lanka is, is the really simple stuff that, um, they, they call it, uh, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but they call it gamay food which is kind of loosely translates as village food and it's it's really just kind of the basic curries that that are kind of traditionally eaten here and you know if you go to a restaurant or or you know hotel or something a lot of times they'll give you a menu that has kind of these attempts at kind of emulating western cuisines or kind of a, a more upscale type food and and I, i've always been disappointed when i try those i think that the simplest stuff is the best here and and it's rice and curry, and mm-hmm. you know we we had an episode with Gashani on gosh it's been a year or two now, and and we talked yeah. a little bit about food, and she gave a a, a recipe for some some food, and and uh, you know people seem to resonate well with that, but uh, you know that's that's what we're eating here. So uh, curry is pretty well eaten and, and served three meals a day. So you know for sounds for, terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I I I do kind of cling to a few standbys from back home. I I can't live without a bowl of cereal. So, you know, there's a grocery store just down the street here that we can walk to and, and, you know, I can get cereal and milk and, and, uh, I usually have that first thing in the morning, but then it's, it's full on curries and it's very healthy eating. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's rice with any number of largely vegetable curries. So they, they curry everything here. I mean, they'll, they'll do, I had a Really good cashew curry one day, um, cucumber curry, mango curry. I had that for lunch today. Oh, man. Jackfruit curry, beetroot curry, and then dal, you know, which is like a staple here. Lentils um, have that almost every meal. And I I don't really eat a lot of meat curries. My favorite is actually a fish curry that they make with with a fish called searfish. And it's this kind of thick, meaty fish. And it's just in this lovely stew. Man, that sounds good. And... Oh, it's it, it it's aromatic it's it's like rich and spicy and gashani laughs and her her father who's a wonderful cook and he he's always pushing food in my face uh every day here he's always trying to get me to eat more and more and he's just <laughs> i think he's just loving the fact that i'm just i'm just eating curries and gashani's like even getting sick of it she's like ordering other stuff off of menus and I'm just like no keep it coming
1: so <laughs> I've been mean, yeah I haven't met many curries that that uh, that I couldn't be best friends with oh, um and i so guess the other good. kind of that, plus is is like if you're in a scenario where where your access to resources, even things like power, is somewhat challenged or or needs to be rudimentary, yeah, like curry makes a lot of sense, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very simple. It's very easy to eat yeah. and you feed a lot of people. It's the cheapest. I mean, it's it, mm-hmm. it's it, it's incredibly inexpensive. We ordered. There was actually a place. It was kind of funny. We were laughing because we've been cooking here at the house, or when we've gone out of town, we've we've eaten at these hotels. Um, but, uh, today I guess there was this, this takeout place or actually they deliver, I can't remember what it was called spice and curry house or something like that. And, uh, we ordered from it for the first time and they have Uber eats here and, and Gashani ordered from Uber eats. Uh, she ordered like this, a couple of packets of, of, of vegetarian curry plate sort of thing. And it was delivered within half an hour. I get this message on my phone, you know, uh, PayPal is, you know, paid out to Uber eats, whatever. Um, and it was something like, uh, for, for two of us, I think the total cost came to like $3 and 22 cents or something, you know? I mean, it's just, uh, okay. I mean, coming from a different part of the world, I mean, price discrepancies are going to be obvious. And Mm -hmm. and for people here that that's normal, but uh, it's just absurdly cheap, especially that kind of food. And it was just, it was wonderful. So, um, you can eat cheap and you can eat healthy and, and it's just incredibly flavorful. If, if you like curries, it's just, there's no end to it. And it's one of my favorite things about, about, uh, about coming here. So it's been great. And then, you know, I think I'd mentioned to you that, that I'm, I'm kind of craving the one thing, one of the things I'm missing about home, I guess, is a good strong cup of pour over coffee, which I brought some coffee. I just, I can't seem to emulate the same setup as at home. And, and Sri Lanka is a tea country. I mean, when we were in the Hills, that's what they grow there. I mean, it's world famous Ceylon tea. And so I, I drink tea several times a day. You go to visit somebody's house, they, they bring out the tea and you know, you have it in the morning and you have it in the afternoon and whatever. And I love tea, but there's just, you know, something, <laughs> something about a good, strong cup of coffee that I'm kind of missing these days. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I was bragging about my cup of coffee as we got yeah. this phone call. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm deep into a, a, a gift bundle that I got, um, of, uh, uh, Big Ten from Turks West in Vancouver. It's my favorite coffee in the whole world.
0: And oh, uh, I'll make sure uh, to get you a bag for your return. Uh, oh, to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll need it too because I'll be... I'll be having some fierce jet lag. That's, uh, yeah, that's going to take you, challenge. that's going to take you some time. We're going to, we'll have to record at some weird times to suit
1: <laughs> the new sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. All right. Well, I mean, aside from, um, aside from maybe not having coffee, what, what, what did you take with you that you're pretty happy that you took anything, anything you'd recommend to somebody visiting that, that part of the world that's maybe outside of the, the
0: stuff they'd find on an outside guide or whatever. It's really hot here. You know, it's, we're talking upper eighties and I think the humidity's you know always pushing 100% and then you get these kind of deluge monsoon rains here which kind of cranks up the the humidity even more and so i found that um you know if you bring like anything you know uh, you, you think oh i'm going to wear like a nice button down cotton shirt or a polo shirt i mean if you're anything like me it'll be soaked with your own sweat within an hour of wearing it and so right you know what i found is is i've been kind of living in some kind of quick dry, uh, t-shirts, you know, like the kind of shirt you wear running or exercising or whatever. And, and they just dry very quickly. And then, uh, you know, it's shorts. Uh, I, I bought some, um, Eddie Bauer guide shorts that I, I kind of mm-hmm. live in here. Swim trunks, of course. Yeah. Standard H should, know, I've got a few of their cotton t-shirts, which, which have been great kind of for the, you know, cooler evenings and things like that. And then, uh our friends at, at Triple lot Design sent over a, a bit of a care package you know before I went uh, they heard that I was going and they said oh I can send you some hot weather gear to try out so they sent me um uh kind of a nice pair of i think it's their Paladin uh, maritime swim trunks uh, another pair of shorts um kind of a, a quick dry uh, polo shirt which I, I really like quite a bit um and then uh this prototype backpack, which I've made really good use out of. So they, they actually sent us two backpacks. One is from a material called VX. And then the other one's, uh, from Dyneema. They're both like sailcloth materials. So from, you know, the, the, I guess the, the sport of sailing, you know, what, what sails are made of. So it's, it's really tough. It's very lightweight, uh, w- highly water resistant. And, and these packs are just, they, they crunch down to nothing. So we kind of threw them in the bottom of the duffels to, to bring over here and, and we use them for everything from running for groceries to you know the hikes we were doing up in the hills we were you know taking water and rain gear and and food along and and those have been great and then they also i i had gotten a pair of their ghost wing boots which are kind of a mix between like an approach shoe and a, and a hiking boot with mm. really great grippy vibram soles and admittedly i live in those those plastic or or rubber Birkenstocks, you know ninety percent of the time here, I know you've got a pair and they're just <laughs> they're like the yeah, they're great shoe yep, but, but when we did hiking you know i I, I had the, the ghost wing boots and they've been they they were just fantastic for kind of some of the jungle hiking we did where it was kind of slippy and and uh you know rocks and roots and kind of crunching through some heavy overgrowth and that sort of thing so so those have been great, so you know day to day I guess it's mostly shorts and t-shirts and those rubber Birkenstocks but then there's this really versatile piece of clothing here that I wish would catch on more and every time I like post a picture of it people like oh you're wearing a dress or you're wearing a skirt it's like no this is a sarong you know I don't know if you know what a sarong (laughs) is I think in India they call it a lungi or something okay it's it's the simplest piece of clothing it's it's a tube of of cotton uh, cloth you know so it's basically like like picture if you get out of the shower and you wrap a towel around yourself it's it's like that except instead of an open ended towel that you have to tuck in to kind of keep closed. It's you kind of step into this tube and then you cinch it around your waist and off you go. And it's, I sleep in it every day. I, I wear it kind of half a day, you know, as I'm getting up and having breakfast and that sort of thing. And and it's just super comfortable. So it's great. Everybody wears them here. I mean, you see them, you know, you see guys like, doing roofing jobs wearing them which i yeah know, it seems like high potential for wardrobe malfunctions but uh <laughs> they they know what they're doing but uh no it's it's great Good temperature it's, management i guess eh? it is it is yeah. yeah so that makes sense yeah that's kind Very of cool. what what's been on the gear list and then and then the watches i mentioned but you know it's you really just kind of have to plan for for you know sweating for you know for hot weather and uh yeah I I have to admit, I don't know, you know, I lost a fair bit of weight since the last time we came here. And I don't know if that's the root cause of it, but I'm just dealing with the heat so much better this trip. Like I used to come here and and it'd be fairly miserable. And I've been, I've been kind of doing okay. Ever since we landed, I thought it'd be a bit of shock, you know, coming from a long Minnesota winter. I thought I'd be really suffering, but this trip more than any other, I've been, you know, just kind of tolerating the heat really well so i'm I'm really been pleased about that oh nice well i'm glad to hear it because it's kind of the limiting factor you know like when you go somewhere you know if you go to mexico or you know the caribbean or anywhere where it's like really hot and humid i think it's always the biggest source of you know I'm, I get, misery seems a little bit a uh, strong word discomfort. but you know at some point you're just like oh i gotta get in the air conditioning well we've we've lived largely without air conditioning yeah. you know not only because of the power cuts but because it's uh you know, don't always need it with just as long as you have a fan going, it's been pretty tolerable.
1: Yeah. I've always been, um, like I've always had a pretty big preference towards warm to even very hot weather. Um, but it, it always yeah. depends on how, what the humidity's like, right? Like if you a really hot day, yeah. um, you know, in, on, on the peninsula in, in Mexico is one thing, uh, a really hot day in, you know, when I used to spend some time down in central Mississippi, Eastern Mississippi, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, my one or two, though, the, the <laughs> yeah. one time I had uh, an experience, uh, you know, well into the hundreds in um, Nevada, in Las Vegas, I was um, kind of blown away by, oh, maybe I don't like heat quite as much as I thought I did. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I wanted to go yeah. down the street to find, uh, you know, a souvenir. And uh, that walk felt like yeah. I was, you know, looking for uh, seeing mirages uh, that, that weren't simply, you know, hotels <laughs> and, and casinos and stuff like that. But yeah, I uh, I miss the heat a lot, but I I think I, I'm a little bit more wired towards the way that it's hot in this part of the world. Yeah, I think yeah. you. I think, and then I, I'm always so impressed by you know locals in in any climate, right? Who are just used to what the normal is. Yeah, and and whether it's an insanely cold climate or an insanely hot climate, um, you know, in in where you and I live, Jason, we kind of have a spread, but we, you get pat, well, you, you don't really get padded for how cold it can get in, uh, in, in Minnesota. <laughs> it gets proper cold, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how it affects kind of different people. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the white thing is a, is a factor that would, that would make sense to me, but I wouldn't be able to explain necessarily the science behind it.
0: it also, you know, it, the other, well, I, I think for one thing, one thing that exacerbates the heat here is not only the humidity, but we're six degrees above the equator and the sun is noticeably intense, mm. you know, it's just the radiant heat kind of baking the top of your head is incredibly noticeable here. Um, more, more than anywhere else. I mean, I can, I could argue that a Minnesota summer, we get well into the nineties Fahrenheit sure. with high humidity and I can be out cutting the grass or, doing, you know, gardening or riding a bike or whatever it is. And, and it's okay, you know, I'll get hot, but, but here you add in that just that baking heat of the sun and and it makes a noticeable difference yeah i mean the tropics are an interesting place and i think you know not only the weather which you know we we always jokingly people kind of know us for talking about the weather at the top of the show which we we didn't do today actually but um you know here the weather is such a different sort of thing because it's it's always kind of the same you know it's it's very hot there often there will be an afternoon absolute deluge you know just monsoon rains that kind of flood the streets Uh, but you know there isn't that variety where you know oh there's a cool front coming and tomorrow will be 20 degrees cooler and we'll get a thunderstorm and then you know like you get back home and long term i'm not sure you know if, if if that would bother me if i would kind of crave the variety but uh
1: yeah, I know you you always you always hear that from people, you know, who move to LA from other parts or you will move to Southern California from other parts of the states like they they what they end up saying they miss is seasons. Yeah. Um and may, maybe not one speci- season specifically, but the fact that other places maybe where they grew up or whatever had this cycle, right? Where things kind of came and went. Yeah. I I, I would have been, you know, I you, you got most of the seasons when I lived in Vancouver, but we were very padded when it came to winter, which I think is kind of ideal for me. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that that sounds. I mean, sounds like a complicated, but a but a, but a good trip. You know, the other thing I'm I'm curious about asking about is like, what are the um, bugs like? The the what's what's the the insect living scenario? Because uh, that, that for me is <laughs> uh, as I get older, has become more of a thing. You know, the the mosquitoes, even just the mosquitoes here in Ontario, can be enough to ruin yeah. ruin a day. And we don't have to deal with any of yeah. the kind of bigger, gnarlier stuff that often exists in warmer climates.
0: Yeah, I mean. I'm struck by how being here is, I, I kind of was joking the other day with Kashani, saying, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we're doing here feels a little bit like camping, you know, especially with the power cuts, like sitting by candlelight, mm-hmm. you know, in the heat and then like with no electricity. And then, um, there, there's a severe cooking gas shortage. Like people don't, there's no like central gas in the building here that you turn on the the stove and, and cook something. You know, like everybody has gas canisters that you have to source and hook up and use. And um, now that there's a gas shortage, we've been doing all of our cooking on like a little electric hot plate, mm. you know, and it feels like, like like a camp stove, you know, like I'm trying to cook pasta the other day on this tiny little hot plate and it took forever to do. And then you have, you're kind of living in the elements, you know, the weather and the and the rain and, and things like that. But also you're, I feel very close to nature here. There's a lot of just bugs and reptiles and and critters about I just before we did this call we had one of these scheduled power cuts and without the fan going it was really hot here so I went out to um, the pool in pitch black you know I kind of navigated by braille you know down the hallway of the building outside to the to the pool and and got in the pool and I love that sensation of being in a in water and at night Oh, absolutely and I was looking up at the dark sky kind of floating in the pool trying to cool off for a few minutes and the, these huge flocks of these fruit bats that they get here were flying overhead. And these things are the size of large crows. <laughs> I mean, they're huge. And, you know, if you see a bat like, you know, probably where you live and where I live in Minnesota, they're, they're, little guys. They're, they're, they're like these little flitting things that you can sort of tell by the way they fly. I mean, these things, they flap slowly and they look like a big bird and they're they're bats and they're just dozens of them just flying across the night sky. And it's just fascinating to me to watch but then every day when I wake up and I get up, you know, Gashani who goes to bed much later than me, she sleeps in a bit, but every day I get up, I go out and it's a little bit dark in the, in the other room here in the kitchen. And I, I flick on the light and I like, I have to do the survey of the kitchen because inevitably every morning I kill like a Panerai sized cockroach. Goodness sakes. There, 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 there's always like at least one in the kitchen every single morning. And they're massive and so i take off i mean you know this is the routine every day i take off one of these rubber birkenstock slippers and i hop around the kitchen like whacking on the countertop <laughs> you know chasing this giant cockroach and they're black and they're shiny Goodness. and they're just fast and it's like oh it's just i i still haven't gotten used to yeah. that so there there are those lurking around and then um the mosquitoes here are you know they're the potentially dangerous. I mean, they carry dengue fever and a number of other horrible diseases. Um, and the problem with them is, is that they're much smaller than the ones we get in Minnesota. So, you know, in Minnesota, you can kind of see them, you can feel them when they land, you can feel them when they bite. And here they're just kind of small and, and sneaky. And so in the evenings, we always have to close the the balcony doors here to kind of keep them from coming in. Um, but other than that, I mean, we we have a few geckos Ooh, that are kind of lurking I around like in that. the apartment, which I... I do like them and they, they take care of a lot of the bugs, which is good. And then, you know, other reptiles, uh, you know, I think I posted a few shots on Instagram, you know, there are these incredible, um, dinosaurs, monitor lizards (laughs) that are, they're just, they're, they're like right down the road here. I I went for a walk the other day and, and there was one that had a frog sticking out of its mouth and it was kind of crawling along down by this canal down alongside of the road. And then this other bigger one, there's kind of two main species, kind of a land-based monitor lizard that that's the one I saw. And then the, the water monitor, which is bigger, kind of came up out of the water and saw the other lizard with the frog in its mouth and kind of gave chase. And I was watching this whole scene and I was like, this is like, if I was filming this, like this would be like a viral YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it was wild. I mean, they're just, they're just crazy. So yeah. And then of course you got the, ret- the the dogs and, and, you know, that I'm I've suddenly gotten skittish about, which I'm not happy about because of my bite a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, you know, hopefully I get over that bit of canine PTSD. Yeah.
1: You know, the, with the, with the geckos, that, that was always something like I grew up, you know, grew up in Ontario where, basically where I live now and you don't, you don't have, we don't have lizards that run around here. It's not warm enough for enough of the year. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I remember the first time I went down and, and spent any time in Mexico, Yeah. Even the people I was with thought I was a bit of a weirdo because I was so delighted by the fact that where we might have a squirrel, (laughs) (laughs) they have a gecko or an anole or, and then even, even like I said, when I spent some time in the American South, you know, you go outside and on a rain gutter or whatever, there's just a a lizard sitting there having the time of his life in the sun. Uh, I find that delightful. That that hasn't changed since I was a young man. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think that's so much fun. I, I am curious um to get uh I'm sure people will be wondering you know you and I chat more frequently than just the podcast but w- w- the scenario with
0: the bite has turned out to be largely okay all things considered Yeah I mean it's been it's been such an educational experience you know I, I remember I was bitten by a like a neighbor's dachshund when I was riding my bike when I was a little kid and and uh I remember it hurting it kind of chased me on my bike and bit my leg but it was it was the neighbor's dog wasn't rabid didn't have to deal with it other than treating the wound mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, this was the, we re, when we recorded last, it was the day that I had gotten bitten, you know, since then. So the, that first day I had to get, you know, dozens of these horrible immunoglobulin serum shots, you know, all over my, my leg around the wound. And then I had a series, had to get a series of four uh, rabies vaccine shots, in, you know, in my arm, you know, just like I have with, you know, tetanus and COVID right. and shingles shots over the past two years. So yeah, that's been it's been an eye-opening experience to just kind of experience the hospital scene here, which which has been very different from what I'm used to in the US, but uh, you know, largely painless. I've I've been well taken care of and and the wounds are all but completely healed. I do have the the one deeper puncture wound on the inside of my left leg is is the the pain's gone, but it's it's still kind of a, a bit of a scabbed over wound. Right. But uh yeah, um we had to find a hospital. I was scheduled for the, the, the protocol was day zero, day three, day seven and day 14. And on day 14, it was the day we were up in the hill country. So we had to find or, or go to uh, uh, the closest uh, general hospital that we found out had the anti-rabies vaccine to kind of complete the the 14 day protocol. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had to go there, but yeah, it was just a shot in the arm. So, uh, so bad I guess pretty pretty quick in and out of the hospital so yeah so no frothing at the mouth no uh you know no strange symptoms hydrophobia side of the right, thing yeah. so yeah, clearly yeah, not with your thing, time right. in the pool yeah, right, right.
1: Uh, well, Hey, I, you know, we're getting up on, on a full show here, but I, I, I am curious, you know, a month, a month in, in not an unknown place, but in, in a, a different sort of spot than you've been in for the last couple of years. What, do, what are you looking forward to when you get back? You'd mentioned coffee, but w- what's the first couple of days look like when you make it back and you're just dealing with, uh, you know, jet lag.
0: Yeah. You know what I miss? I, I miss driving. Mm. Um, I mentioned we here we, we get driven a lot or we take these tuk-tuks around and I, I guess I realized going on a month here now that I, I just miss being behind the wheel. I mean, the driving here isn't very appealing, especially in the city. It's very congested and a bit chaotic, but uh, I miss my Land Rover. You know, I, I, the, the, the week before we flew out here, I dropped off the Defender at the shop where we bought it a couple of years ago. And, and not knowing the, this is a bit of an aside, but not knowing the history of the timing belt uh, in that truck I was always a little bit wary about doing longer road trips in it, you know, because of timing belt breaks, you've you're in a world of hurt mm-hmm. and expensive repairs, et cetera. So I asked them to to take care of, you know, the timing belt, just replace it. And, uh, it also was needed a new alternator. So I had them do that. And then a couple of other things. So I, I feel like that truck is like got a new lease on life. It's waiting for me back home. The weather's getting nicer. I, I kind of just can't wait to, to get in and, and just drive, you know? come visit the cottage, man. Yeah, seriously. I mean, we're ready. I mean, we're like, I can't wait to do like a road trip. i um, just kind of bust out this summer and do something a little bit further afield. But, uh, but, but yeah, driving and then, um, you know, just not, I mean, I guess I'm looking forward to not sweating all the time. I, I think we're, we're managing fine. I said, you know, handling the heat. Okay. And whatever, but everything's just, a, uh, everything's just a little bit less it's not that it's difficult. It's just less easy than it is back home. And sometimes you just want to get up and have stuff work. You know, you want the electricity to work and you want not be, you know, sitting in your own pool of sweat waiting for the electricity to come back on and things like that. So this has given me an appreciation for not only a simpler life and kind of the life that people lead here, but an also an an appreciation for, for what I have back home. So, um, It'll, it'll be good it'll be good to be back
1: that sort of experience and we've chatted about this on but even just before we started recording but also just on on our slack channel uh you know it, it is that that kind of soulful experience of like oh so like you know I, I have it so easy in many ways right like it's 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 not, it's valuable yeah. to have that perspective shift especially after a couple of years of essentially being inside and feeling like <laughs> like, even our local areas were under a lot of stress and then to realize what the day-to-day life is even with or without COVID in other parts of the world definitely helps to frame uh, some of the things that, that weigh on you. Um, I think so. I, I think that's a, maybe, maybe a tangential benefit yeah. of, an, of an experience like you've had this month.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And you know, and I don't mean this as a plug for, for my own sub stack, but I've been doing kind of weekly dispatches from here for my, kind of paying subscriber network over on Substack and you know, even if you aren't paying to subscribe, I think there's like a trial sign up, even if you want to just check it out um with no risk, uh, you can certainly do that. But if you're interested in reading kind of more long form insights into what I've been up to here, you can certainly go check that out. We can throw a, a link in the show. We notes, definitely but, can uh, and, and I,
1: I think you're well deserved a plug. <laughs> I don't think that's out of <laughs> line at all. Uh but yeah the the
0: dispatches have been great. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a month. Yeah. So but that's, that's kind of the, the deal here. I mean, we, we were going to record this next week. You're off to New York mm-hmm. and, and I'm off to uh, hopefully the South Coast. We'll get down there and, and uh, I can maybe give, give the final debrief on that next time we record, which will be when I'm back in, uh, in Minnesota. That's a weird thought. I can't believe that.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, as, as, a, as a, a measure of housekeeping with Jason coming back kind of right at the end of April, the um, April Q&A will absolutely happen, but it'll probably be the first week of May. Yes, that's true. Uh, so it, it'll be delayed a few days. It's still going to be there. We're not going to skip it or anything like that. Uh, we have lots of great questions. Actually, you guys have been amazing uh, sending in more and more questions. Some of them are hilarious as well. It's. I'm looking forward to this episode, um, but it will be a few days later between um, my trip to New York next week. And then uh, so we'll record it the week after the first week of April and I'll put it up immediately. Um, so just keep, keep an eye on the supporter feed. Um, and, and obviously, if you want to get in on that, uh, and, and you're not on the supporter side, then, uh, you can get into it for as little as $5 a month. Um, but you can check that stuff out at the If you would like, uh, Jason, you want to, uh, put a, put a wrap on this one and, and get to some final notes.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Mine, uh, is, is an article from our friends over at time and tide watches. And it's actually uh, a story that is related to, I believe he's a TGN listener. I know that I've exchanged a few DMS with him over the years on on Instagram jack uh, shepherd shepherdson i believe and it it's it's really kind of one of those great intersections of watches and and kind of human interest and and so jack was interviewed by a, a guy named henry who writes for for time and tide it's a series they have called every watch tells a story and and it's entitled how a seiko diver connected jack with the daredevil uncle he never got to meet and so this is a story about, about Jack's Seiko 6309 and how it belonged to an uncle of his, Jack is from Australia and, and his uncle had this watch, um, and, and had gotten it, you know, back in the seventies when he was regularly diving. Um, and then sadly he, he actually died, uh, in a diving related accident and, and the watch was kind of Somehow, just uh, you know, left in a box or in in care of the family, Um, and and then Jack's aunt one day kind of turned it over to him, and and you know Jack being a bit of a watch guy, kind of took interest in it and and in the background of it, and he learned more about his uncle and kind of found all these great old photos of of his uncle and and the incredible life that he lived. I mean, he was not only a diver, but he restored and raced cars and motorcycles and, and, you know, he, he just kind of lived the, 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 the life. He was a a small plane pilot and and whatever. And he wore this Seiko diver through much of it. And now Jack uh, owns that watch. And it's this wonderful kind of a little bit melancholy, but, but warm story of, of how he inherited this watch from an uncle that he never really knew, but that had lived, you know, lived a life of its own you know, before Jack even knew about it, and uh, I, I, I like the story not only for the story, but I think you know some of these photos. I mean, the, the, these these scanned film photos of his uncle, you know, so cool on a motorbike, just kind of living it up, kind of you know, classic kind of you know '70s hairstyles and clothing, and 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 these great old uh, these great old cars. I think this is uh, I'm not sure what kind of car this is. It might be like an Austin Healy or something, and it's just like. Yeah, just uh, it's just a really cool story. So uh, you know, Jack had made me aware of that a, a while back, and and I recently revisited it, and uh, I think it's it's a worthy story to check out. So give it a go.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think this is a must read. I, I don't. There's no reason to uh, belabor the point. Hit the show notes. Check it out. This is a killer story with um, some fantastic illustration uh and well told i i mean this is this is the heart of watch enthusiasm is the heart of, yeah. of, of why we would want to do something like tgn is it's great to talk about these things as they exist as just as products yeah but give them enough time and they become something else they become these little metal like we've said in the past totems or little like almost like family members of their own or memories of people right and i think this story kind yeah. of encapsulates all of that and it does it with a really jaw-droppingly beautiful beat-up old seiko i love it it's it's, it's fantastic <laughs> really really fun. Uh, and a, a great a great job by these guys on the story.
0: Certain watches do this to me, but like you see a photo of it and like immediately you want to put on a Seiko. Oh, like, no question. I don't know. The Seiko has that magnetism and he's got it on a on a gray NATO, which which looks fantastic, but it's like there's just such magnetic watches. They immediately speak to that kind of just just go do stuff mm-hmm. kind of element mm-hmm. uh, more than almost any other kind of watch. So yeah, good good story.
1: Yeah, when I first clicked the link on this story, it made me immediately want an SRP like 777 or, or, or similar, like some, something in yeah. the five. But you know, yeah. I, I still, you know, we don't talk about the SRP that much these days, but it used to be one that we talked about a ton when it was a little bit more new. Yeah. And uh, this, this watch has all of those. It's just a great yeah. story. These are these are rad. Great, yeah. good job on these guys publishing it and, and and telling it properly with the taking the time to get the images and the rest of it. Um, you know yeah. these stories really tend to balance in the way that you can connect visually with a different time and and when you have the photos, it makes all the difference. So, well done. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for my final note, this is a sort of a, a summary time lapsey sort of video um, from a, a really great YouTube channel called Woodness Goodness. And it's, uh, it's called I Built a Cabin in 2020, start to finish. It was published uh, January of 2021. So it's been around for a while. It's got a lot of views. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Um, it it's just a, essentially a, a really beautifully shot, kind of nicely edited 28-minute uh, summary of building a cabin, but there's no talking. Huh. It, you just kind of watch it come together. And yeah. some of it's kind of done in sort of a fast sort of time-lapse-y sense. Uh, but everything from building building the structure uh or planning the structure to building the footings to building and and you know raising the walls to putting in the windows to the cedar siding um i i love this kind of stuff i found it super calming and <laughs> uh and it definitely gets me in the mood for you know putting together stuff at the cottage this summer um won't be anything as nice as this uh that's a kind of outside my skill set you can tell these guys definitely know what they're doing yeah Sometimes you watch these things, and and I really, uh, you know, I have a couple of these channels on my YouTube where people are building a cabin, and maybe it's done over the course of five or ten episodes. Yeah. And as you're watching, you go like, "Well, how does how does that decision work out when you finish the room, or put in your power, or put in lights, or whatever?" And this, you can kind of watch it come together huh. in, in a way that I just found really pleasing and and kind of relaxing. And if you've got a half an hour and you'd like to kind of be transported, at very high speed to the the kind of um Almost natural growth of a cabin, if you will. It's it, it's a really cool uh, video, and 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 I really enjoyed it. Uh, and and Woodness Goodness is absolutely worth a subscription. I love I that name.
0: Where so? Where's the cabin built? I mean, I'll watch this certainly, probably right after we're done here. But uh, where is it? Uh, I'm actually not sure where it was built. Let's
1: see. I'll also include in the in the show notes uh, Field Mag, one of our faves, did a, a really good Q and A with these guys. So it took them 55 days to make the cabin, oh, wow. which I still think is is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, and it looks like uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, is oh, where they okay. where the the folks are based. Huh. As to where the actual cabin is, kind of specifically, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not sure. But it, it definitely check out the channel. Uh, check out this Q and I'm sure there's even more answers in here. Really, really cool stuff. The cabin ends up looking great. It, it's the kind of thing that I would like to build eventually on on the cottage property, kind of set back in the woods. Yeah. Uh, once once the uh, the cabin, the the sort of house that we're working on now uh, is is in a somewhat higher state of condition. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is. I'm I'm really enjoying these. It's it's giving me. I've I've started to notice that like a lot of my. YouTube viewing is is yeah, people building cabins in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> there must be something kind of calming, yeah. you know. It's it's more Dick Pranicky. Uh This is a less certainly less rustic than yeah than what Dick put together uh, in Twin Lakes. But uh, I think definitely worth a watch and uh, and a great
0: follow on, on YouTube as well. Yeah, this is like um, you know we did that interview with Marshall uh, a while back. Mm-hmm. Watching someone rebuild a watch, I, I I'm really hooked on a lot of like land rover repair video stuff or just car repair stuff where people are disassembling like a gearbox putting it back together or oh yeah you know building a cabin like i love watching somebody that's like skilled and like does something methodically it's just it's it, like you said it's very calming a lot of it is way outside my mm-hmm. skill level but uh, especially anything related to carpentry so i will probably watch this right after we're done and, and it'll send me <laughs> off to sleep tonight that sounds great yeah, well, uh, thanks.
1: Uh, thanks as always for making a little bit of uh, time in, in the with the time change and the rest of it and the power cuts. And, and I'm glad we we're able to put this together and keep on schedule for um for these episodes. And and I'm looking forward to just you know having you back only one hour away and 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 uh, as far as the time zone goes, it'll be good.
0: Yeah, and I hope you have a, a great trip to New York. I can't wait to uh, to see the photos, read the stories, and and chat about it probably next episode. So that's uh...
1: yeah, we'll definitely have something to chat about next episode. Might even have a special audio kind of thing to drop in. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not really sure yet. It depends on if I can get it made. Yeah. Uh, but I assume by the time this episode comes out next uh, Thursday, the the watch in question will be out. So just keep an eye on Instagram and, and, um, and Hodinkee and the rest uh, if you want to see some coverage of, uh, of a cool dive watch um, that should be out by then.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thanks everybody again for the, the patience with the supporter kits. And uh, I will be back uh, stateside next week. And as always, thanks so much for listening. If you want to subscribe to the show notes, get into the comments for each episode, or consider supporting the show directly, and maybe even grab a new TGN-signed NATO, please visit thegreynado.com. Music throughout the episode is Siesta by Jazar via the Free Music Archive.
1: And we leave you with this quote from Santosh Kalwar, who said, Never stop just because you feel defeated. The journey to the other side is attainable only after great suffering.